Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high achieving and ambitious mid level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook. Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Hi, I'm Bruce Tolgan, author of The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, published by Harvard Business Review Press. If you like listening to this show as much as I enjoyed being a guest on this show, maybe you'll be a fan of my new podcast, The Indispensables. Each week, I ask my guests what sets them apart in the workplace, what makes them tick, and what makes them so successful. I've interviewed some amazing people at all levels and organizations of all shapes and sizes with some amazing stories, including the former chief of staff of the United States Army, General Dennis Ryan. New York Times columnist Ron Lieber, Kara Golden, the founder and CEO of Hint, and many, many more. Consider please listening and subscribing to The Indispensables on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this show. Greetings, my superstars. How are you doing? How's it going? It's hard to believe as I record this with my guest today. It's early July. We just had the 4th of July holiday. But when you hear this, we'll be into September. (laughs) It's a kind of a crazy thought. So I better not ask you how your summer is. I guess I should be asking you how your summer was (laughs) by the time you listen to this. I hope that you are doing well on all fronts, personally, professionally, emotionally, that all of those things are running great. And and today, my guest and I are going to talk about why you don't need to look for a new job the moment things don't go well. If you're starting to feel under-challenged, under-valued, overlooked, we don't want to automatically immediately run off and look for a new job. So my guest today is Nicole Chirska. How did I do, Nicole? Excellent. (laughs) And Nicole is joining us from, where are you at in Germany, Nicole? In Hamburg. Hamburg. Excellent. And she reached out to me and I loved her topic and we had a lovely chat. And so today we're going to continue that conversation and I hope you guys get tremendous value out of this. And I want to start, first of all, by thanking you for coming on the podcast, Nicole. Thank you for having me. Why don't you start by telling the folks a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today in this topic? Mm, So I'm a scientist by training. I'm a food chemist and I got a PhD in chemistry. And I thought for the rest of my career, I would be doing only that, working in consumer goods innovation, any kind of product research in the science area. But then in around... 2016, the company where I worked, they had a restructuring and I found myself for about one and a half years in a position, which was a bit like limbo. Anyways, I had, I was working at only 10% of my capacity due to, you know, what, what was happening in the business. And that really bought me out. And it really 
yeah, triggered me to seek help from a coach to, because it was really no fun at all. And that coach within four sessions, I started to have my energy back. I started to pursue new strategies to knock on new doors because all of my other efforts to change something about my situation earlier were fruitless. And yeah, so he did that magic within four sessions. I was like, how did he do that? I want to be able to do that too for people. And that is when, I don't know, that kind of set off an avalanche of (laughs) new directions, if you will, where I really changed direction in my career away from science to turning more to people-focused topics. So specifically change management. And I also started my own coaching training and then opened my own coaching practice to do more of those things that I really learned to enjoy doing. And yeah, that's how I got here basically. And along this way, so just to, you know, close the loop to our topic for today, I've had, I've noticed that I have had moments in my careers where both in science, but also both in the people topic area where I felt it's okay. It's like, I think I got this now. What's next? Or it's like, you know, where's the next jump? Or do I need to find a new company, new employer to find a renewed love for my work or just to feel challenged again? And what I uncovered was, no, I don't. I mean, sometimes we do want to make a change. That is clear, but we don't need to do that in the first second. I think that so often what happens is we we put ourselves in essentially a victim role where we are being mm-hmm. victimized with under challenging and you know neglect in our company and we don't recognize how much power we have and we especially as women want to abdicate that responsibility to our boss or some other anyone outside of ourselves, which never works. And while, of course, we want a boss who's advocating on our benefit, if we're abdicating that, all of that to them, we are really in a position of of powerlessness. Would you, do you see it that way? hundred percent. I totally agree. I guess we can't even be blamed for that because when you think, when you think about how we grew up, there were always people telling us what to do and how to get to the next step. And it was so clearly laid out for us, you know, do all of that work and you get, you know, you're going to finish school and then do all of that. And you're going to finish uni and then do all of that. And then you're going to get a PhD certificate. And it's just always been that way that, you know, you had a very, very clear path laid out and you had a clear set of criteria that you had to meet. And then off you went and did all the things. And then once we start working in the industry, that path is almost never, you know, laid out as clear. And also the criteria can get very, well, subjective, let's say. Mm -hmm. And we're often left to guess even what is necessary. And then even if we do take all of the things, you know, along comes a restructuring and there's no guarantee that we get what was promised to us. So there's a whole, I totally get that uncertainty and that, and we really need to make that shift, like you said, from, you know, waiting for others to telling us exactly what to do to using them as supporters and as allies, but really taking matters into our own hands in terms of how we develop in our current role, but also about the career path we create for ourselves. 
Absolutely, Nicole. And and I think even with companies that have very well-defined career ladders, that doesn't mean that you get in there and you're on the correct ladder. Mm -hmm. And you may feel like, I I just used an analogy of a ladder, but what I'm visualizing is a a very fast-moving current. And you feel like you're in this river and it's going. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're like, oh, I'm in the wrong river. Yeah. But you're there's so much momentum there. And especially if you're a high achiever, which my audience, that's one of the things in my private practice, and I hope in my podcast audience as well, these are folks who are above average and they want to excel. So it's really easy to allow that great feedback from a boss to kind of keep that current moving. Well, I'm going to stay in this boat because it's the boat I'm in when you really want to be off on another boat on another river altogether. And I also want to make a point about something you said about getting coaching and realizing that that was the field you want to go into. I think that's the case for many people who go into coaching as they experience the life-changing benefits of a coach and, and they want to be able to help people like that. So kudos to you for having that recognition. Yeah, it was a force greater than myself. Really. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't not do it really. Well, I think that's the way it is with with coaching. If it's in your spirit, I, I my my friends laugh at me because I can't not coach. Like I'm, <laughs> I have to like really watch it. If you know you you can be yeah. a little strong personality wise, but I love to coach. It's it's in my DNA. So tell me what you're seeing with the the clients that you coach, the people that you're speaking to about this kind of this notion of being, you know, under challenge, overlooked, I need to go look for another job. What are you seeing out there with your coaching clients and, and others? Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, I can relate to this and empathize very much because I catch myself too. Yeah. I also hear it. I mean, I hear it even better in others. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. You do that too. So, yeah. And basically, one thing that I think it comes back to is that we get so used to being hyper-stimulated by new challenges, by always putting out fires, by feeling overstretched. And we think, we start to think that that's normal. And then as soon as we don't have that, you know, as soon as we are not running at 130, 150%, we feel like something is off and it's like, like, you know, that this, this is not normal. However, we calibrated ourselves to being, you know, busy and stretched to a point which is actually not healthy and sustainable and also not necessary. So that is one thing where we maybe have lost our sense of calibration for, you know, what, what we really want in our lives and, and what feels normal to us. And then, yeah, you know, despite then sometimes wishing for karma times, but when these karma times come, then we can feel bored or we think that we've hit a plateau and it's like, oh my God, there's no growth anymore here. So it's like, I'm going to be bored to death. And now what do I do? What is the next challenge? But in those moments, what I often find for myself and for others is that we haven't looked far enough yet, or shall we better say deep enough yet? as to how we can get the most out of where we are right now in this moment. You know, sometimes I feel the trend goes to having a career where we, where you switch roles every one and a half years. And I was like, just speaking from my own experience, it's like, how far have you gotten in a role if you leave it after one and a half years? 
Because typically, I mean, if they're very, very close roles and you're exact doing the exact same job, maybe only in another company, then obviously you don't have as big a learning curve. But if there's some degree of difference in new projects and so on, you typically need about three to six months to get settled in the new team, to get to know the new processes and routines, to really get the hang of what's going on and establish your network to get things done and so on. And so after six months is kind of the first time where you are, again, if it's not too far off from what you've been doing before, but when you then start to have a hang of it and you can use, you start to learn as much as you deliver value. And then you're really in in this sweet spot for, let's say, another six to 12 months. So we're already one and a half years in when you're still on this very steep curve where you're still learning a whole lot of new things. And this is the moment where you can, you know, you now know enough about your work that you can not only do it, but start to do it better, you know, instead of just, you know, okay, I got this down now. What is a new thing to learn? Instead of that, really trying to, yeah, yeah, just just make make it better. Do it, you know, reach a new level of excellence, if you will. Exactly, and and from a perspective, you know, as a master resume writer, I'm looking at that year and a half really doesn't give you time, as you've said, to get those achievements, mm. real significant achievements. I mean, you've probably had some small wins, mm-hmm. but those big ones tend to take three to five years. No, and true. so you don't have, you're, you're lacking that. And so you can, there's a danger that if you do this enough times, A, you look like a job hopper and B, you don't have substantive achievements to talk about because you didn't stay long enough. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, as you were talking, I was thinking about all that I have. I'm still trying to wrap my brain around what's going on, at least here in the U.S., with massive people chose chose not to go back to work. People are quitting. There was some staggering statistic about one of the summer months. I think it might have been August, so this will have already come and gone by the time this is, this is aired. But there was going to be a massive exodus of, of employees, kind of unprecedented in the United States. So I think there's this kind of grass is greener thing going on, at least here. I don't know about what you're seeing in in Europe, but what do you think, how is this connected, this massive exodus or not returning to work? How is this connected to this feeling of being under challenge and overlooked? Is there there a connection there? Mm. I guess with those statistics, I'd be curious to see which professions this happening in most. I can imagine that when you have a very, you know, hard, exhausting labor, low paid job, and you've just gotten by for over a year on any other support systems, then I can totally understand if people start to question, like, you know, why, why, why should I be bothered? But if we're looking more into the corporate space, you know, where this, where there's more or more into the white collar jobs, then I would say that, you know, it's it's just so anytime we feel dissatisfied or powerless, we tend to look for one thing that we can exert control over. So for example, you know, you can't get rid of your kids. You're stuck with them. <laughs> you, you can't, you can't just, you know, make the pandemic go away. You have to wait it out. So you're so subjected to you know, decisions that have been made for you that really our sense of autonomy 
it really got cut short. And it's one of our basic human needs that we really want. And so I can totally understand if we then look to, okay, like where, where do I still have that power of and, and that control over my life and something needs to change and so on. And then, you know, some people start to renovate their home. Other people might think, okay, so I, I, it's now is the time to find a new job because this is one thing that gives you a sense of control. But the problem is when we apply this thinking to our jobs, and again, you might come to the conclusion again and again that you do want to change jobs, and it's absolutely no problem. It can be a very valid decision to make. However, if you just need to make sure you like your reasons for it, because if you are leaving on a whim, then you you take most of the issues and problems with you because you don't learn the skills to lead yourself, to lead others better, to work better with others. And then just like that flat that you renovated, that will get messy again in an <laughs> instant if you don't you know, learn the proper habits to keep it up to scratch. Then in that same way, you will fall back into the same old traps in a new job. That makes complete sense, Nicole. So I think you've got some population that is, they've they've been stressed out by the type of work that they've had to do during mm -hmm. the pandemic, say healthcare, education. I've mm -hmm. talked to clients in both of those fields and they are, they're over it. I think there are also some folks who are seeing the way their company is returning to work, returning to the office, and it doesn't give them the the choices that they've had. And so they recognize, I was just reading an article this morning about people who are choosing to quit their job because they don't want to leave their dog. And so they're like, I'm not going to go back to the office unless I can either bring my dog or I just want to stay at home and work. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, well, okay. But I think that it's that sense of, you know, it, 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 I think it feels a bit like a betrayal by a company that you know they, that you can work from home from because you just did for over a year. And now they're telling you, you don't have any options. You have to come back to work. I think that would, to me, I think that would feel like a betrayal. It's a lie. It's just not true for many. Yeah, for many. I know here in Germany, we have that debate too. And at the company where I work as well, there's something that happens with, I don't know, tax and other legal obligations when you exceed a certain percentage. I mean, again, if, if a company really wanted to, there would be a way, but I, I can also understand employers who have all of those other back-end considerations to make and to, to see, like, okay, what are the trade-offs? Are we going to, you know, are we going to have the endless discussions with our, with our employees and then maybe pouting for a little bit because <laughs> they have to work for a certain percentage in the office? Or are we going to take on all of those extra things with insurance with you know providing the proper office furniture and all of that stuff for them at home and so yeah i'm i'm just saying there might be valid reasons for them for, for some of them to hesitate absolutely and i think it's it's a corporate communication it would mm -hmm. be a nightmare in my opinion but it is a corporate <laughs> communi communication kind of mandate to make sure that the employees understand mm -hmm. what they're why they're being asked to do what they are all right, so I'm hoping we've convinced some folks to maybe think a little bit longer before they jump ship. So what are the benefits that you see of hanging in there? We talked about a couple of things like having more achievements for your resume, really mm -hmm. getting that mastery of the job and dealing with the issues as opposed to running away and, and they just follow you. They're like little 
little ducklings running along behind you. So wherever you go, the little ducklings are there. So what are some of those other benefits of doing this work on yourself and, and maybe challenging yourself and making sure you you appreciate yourself in your current role rather than jumping ship? Mm. The biggest one that I see is that you have more bandwidth for other things. And so you can really start to go deeper. So for example, you feel in a safe space. You know your team, you know your boss, you have an established network, you know how to get work done. You've got all of the technical skills that it takes to fulfill your role. You got all of that down. And that leaves you with so much extra bandwidth to learn all those skills that otherwise often get neglected because we're not really intentional. We just either either learn them because we are, you know, thrown in at the deep end of the pool, but we never, we yeah, we never really intentional. So now is the time to put on your development plan, not to, you know, it's like, okay, it's like what I'm, I, I need a new course in coding skills or I need a new, you know, course in any kind of technical area, but rather think about, okay, what's it looking like for my level of flexibility? Do I adapt easily? to new work environments and how I'm, am I handling changing demands at work and how can I get better at this so it doesn't stress me out as much anymore and I I still develop, develop the or deliver the value. What about my optimism? You know, in, when something goes wrong in a project, do I get, you know, scared and jittery easily? And do I worry all of the time? Am I getting discouraged more often that I, than I want to when I face setbacks? Or can I start to learn to build that optimism muscle by just doing things over and over again and by you know, learning to managing my emotions when things are getting tough and then still holding course? What about assertiveness? You know, Now is the time to really work on, okay, it's like, how do I show up in meetings? Am I being being taken seriously to the level that I want to? Or what can I change in how I show up or how I communicate so that my word has more weight? Other people might want to look ahead how to navigate company politics. You know, it's like sometimes, especially when you haven't been in the corporate world on senior levels for too long, then it's baffling <laughs> sometimes for what is going on. <laughs> but you know, this would be a time for you to learn to understand a bit better how networks work in a company, how to navigate internal politics, which stakeholders are important and learning how to influence them strategically and not just, you know, running to them last minute hoping they help you. So these are just some examples, but there are additional skills that will serve you for years to come in any job and that are so transferable and you may know, you know, if you can put those things with clear examples on a resume, then, you know, this like no matter which new job you go into, employers will know that these are very valuable skills to have. I love that idea of, and the visual that I was getting as you were talking was, you know, we go into this new job and we have our head down for the first, you know, year and a half or two years. Mm -hmm. We really have to. And this is our opportunity to both lift our head up and look around us at colleagues, bosses, other departments, whatever, and see what's there, what are we, where can we make connections, where can we learn new things, but also to look really within 
you know, we the busyness has kind of died down. We've got that mastery in the job. It's a chance to look at where do we want to go and what do we, where are the gaps? Or maybe it's not a gap. Maybe it's just we want to go from competency to expertise, mm-hmm. kind of go to the next level. And and it also occurred to me, one of the concepts that I've talked about on this podcast a lot is buffering, which is anything that you do that isn't getting you where you want to go, right? So I don't want to deal with X, so I'm going to go eat some chips, or I'm going to go <laughs> drink, or I'm going to go watch Netflix for seven hours. Netflix, by the way, is my buffer of choice. <laughs> <laughs> so good, but but it doesn't get us where we want to go. And I think that this can be a form of buffering. Like I'm not I'm not challenged at work. So instead of dealing with what's really going on with us and with our work environment and what we can change, empowering ourselves to do that, we buffer by going to look for another job, and we don't solve the problem. That is such a good idea. I think there's a lot to that. Absolutely. So can you give the listeners maybe three or four specific steps that they can take. So they find themselves feeling kind of under motivated, under challenged, and they want to be motivated. They want to be productive and challenged Mm -hmm. in their current role. What are some tips? Yeah. So I really recommend you forge your own development plan. I'm sure there are a ton of templates for what they might look like on the internet. Your company might even have one for what that looks like. But really be intentional and sit down. You can even ask your boss to help you and think about, okay, what are some learning goals that you want to set yourself? And to give you some ideas, so one question you can ask yourself is, what would I need to learn to get my job done even better, quicker, or smoother? So that is one question that you can ask yourself. Then another thing you can do is just look around you and observe what are others doing better than you? How can you learn from them? And as a third thing, just to switch that one on its head is what are you doing better than others? And how can you teach them? Because once we start teaching what we know how to do, we go to a next level of depth, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a last question for you to ask yourself, what have you been av- avoiding to do because it feels slightly uncomfortable or overwhelming or it fills you with self-doubt and this whole negative self-talk, you think you're not good enough or you, you'd never dare to try it. So what are those things that you maybe avoided? And even if you tried them just once, but at least it would be one one new thing and really bring back that excitement of learning. I think that's a fantastic suggestion. And and I was just listening to one of my favorite life coaches podcast and she was her episode was on doing hard things. And she was talking about all of these clients that have come to her for coaching because mm-hmm. X is hard. It could be something at work, it could be something at home, but it's hard. And they say it like it's a bad thing. And she's like, this is where you evolve to the next level of yourself is doing hard things. So don't try to get the easy button here. Just do do the hard work and 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 it's going to happen for you. All right. So I think these are fantastic suggestions. And the other thing I wanted to add is you may want to challenge yourself in a way that has nothing to do with work. And oftentimes I find that my clients, there's like a missing piece that they're trying they're they're unhappy at work but they can satisfy that need outside of work. I always like to use the example and I have no idea if this is accurate actually the case with this gentleman but I knew him years ago 
he was our church pianist. But by profession, he was a partner in a law firm. I'm sorry, an accounting firm. He was an accountant. So you don't think necessarily of accountants. And he was a gifted pianist. And I have a degree in music. I know about gifted pianists. <laughs> and he was one. I, I couldn't hold a candle to him. But I like to think, my theory is that that was a muscle, that creativity or, or an itch, if you will, that wasn't getting scratched at work. You know, you can't be super creative in, in accounting because you end up like Enron, right? So you got you to gotta play by certain rules. But that creativity was there in him and wasn't maybe being answered or being that itch wasn't being scratched. Mm -hmm. So by being a pianist at church, he really probably had greater work satisfaction. So I think that's also something to look at is, is there something I want to take up at, at home outside of work that will fulfill something in me that feels like it's missing? That's a great suggestion. And I bet you that this strength of creativity and appreciation of beauty, if he were to just sit down and either write about it or talk about it with someone and just imagine how he could use those strengths in his accounting job, then he would also find ways, you know. And I mean, it might not sound super sexy on the on the surface level, you know, it's like where you, I don't know, you rearrange a spreadsheet or you make the reports that you compile for your clients more readable or or more visually appealing so that they start, you know, like looking at their numbers. And you can probably sense I'm no accountant. I'm just making <laughs> just make it stuff up. Um, Me too. <laughs> yeah. But I really love that suggestion of you to not only, you, you know, to really see, okay, what can I do outside of work? And then if you notice, okay, here are one or two or three strengths that I really revel in and thrive off. And now how might, my, how might I use them even just a tiny bit more at work? And what, what, might, I, what might I be able to do with that? And I think at minimum, he now, you know, he's embraced his creative musician side. So mm. some, let's just say he's at some networking event and there's some musician who starts talking to him and she's like, oh, accounting, uh, my, my books are a mess. It's just, I, that, I hate doing that stuff. I just want to perform. He has that connection with that individual mm -hmm. to say, I totally understand why don't you let my organization, my company take over that burden for you so that all you have to do is perform? And so I think there's some empathy, but it's also a connection that you get to make with someone because of that. Yeah. All right. So this has been fantastic, Nicole. Tell the listeners how they can find you, where to get in touch with you, what you got going on, that kind of thing. Yeah, of course. So LinkedIn is really the only social media platform I use. So come on and find me there. And other than that, every year or twice a year, basically in March and in September, I host a week-long free develop professional development, let's call it an event. <laughs> it's a masterclass series where I basically bring together a bunch of great coaches to really give, you know, just like the teachings you give on your podcast. And it's similar, more focused really during that event. And there are also live workshops. So actually you said this show is airing in September. So mm -hmm. at the end of September, starting on the 20th, we will have the next event. So if you're hearing this, hop on over and sign up. The address is womeninstem-reimagined.com. 
And will those presentations be in English or German or what what, what no, can the listeners expect? It's, it's English. It's the the interviews, so the focused interviews where we have I don't know. There's going to be one on how to use style and dress and how that relates to you at work and feeling more comfortable in your own skin, so to speak. Ooh, I love that. Love it, love it. We have one on landing a remote job. We have another one on negotiating. And so, so there's tons of good stuff. Please listen on your own time. So no stress to be anywhere. And then we have a few live workshops. They're time zone wise. They work really well for Europe and the US. Excellent. I hope you guys will take a look at that. Her name is in the title of this podcast. So you can, because you would never guess how to spell it. If you were looking for her on LinkedIn, I think you would fail miserably without some help from the show notes. So uh, I hope you will look up Dr. Nicole Shearska. Yes. <laughs> and find her on LinkedIn. Check out this masterclass that she's got going on here. It'll be just a few weeks if you're listening to this when it first comes out. And I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast, Dr. Nicole. Thank you for having me, Lisa. And you guys take advantage of this resource, this free masterclass that's coming up. Check out Nicole's work and uh, I'll see you next week. Take care. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.